Welcome to Fight the Burnout. Uh, another great episode coming along for you. Uh, remember, we are here to help police and first responders to get tools, strategies, and tips from either active duty or retired police officers so that you can learn what people wish they had known in the beginning of their career so that they don't so that you don't end up burned out. You know, we're seeing it so much these days of officers burning out, getting PTSD, uh, and and leaving the job that they love. And we don't want that. So uh, today, without further ado, we've got Dave Max uh, here with us uh, from Chicago. He was a police officer there, uh, and he's retired out 25 years in. Uh, so he's going to give us some really good uh, tips and strategies today, and we'll dig deep into things. But before we start, I want you to make sure if you're driving in the car, perk up those ears, listen, but pay attention to the road, of course, stay safe. Uh, but also, just take one thing away from today. We are in an information world. You know, we've got AI, we've got Google, we've got all these different things that we can find information. But what we're lacking is actually taking action on that information. So just take one thing, implement it every day for the next 365 days, and you'll be further ahead than you can ever imagine. So without further ado, Dave, why don't you take it away? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us um, your background, uh, and then we'll dive straight into it. Um, man, th thanks a lot for having me. First of all, Chris, um, I am a retired police officer, happily retired, um, about five months now. I did 25 years, most of that in patrol. Um, <clears throat> I enjoyed patrol. Uh, people ask, you know, what about promotions and all that kind of stuff? Um, as we all know, uh, police, police departments can be a really political place at times, which can be stressful. But um, I enjoyed patrol. And uh, when I decided to become a police officer, uh, the main motivation for me, like a lot of cops, is I wanted to help people. I, I wanted to be of service. I wanted to uh, find ways to impact the community in, in incredible ways that I didn't think everybody else was going to do. And of, of course, um, I wanted to be that image and that role model that <clears throat> encouraged other people to want to get involved and, and be a catalyst for up, up. What's the word I want to use? The, a catalyst for not just change, but transformation and, and picking up their communities and pushing people forward to, to feel safer, to be safer and to uh, have better relationships. So one of my big things was to try to help people understand the police and, and how to interact with them better so that we can better serve them. Because the truth is we are public servants and I embrace that role. Um, and I thought the best way to do that was in patrol. I did leave uh, patrol for a short period of time to go work in community relations and interact in schools and what have you. But for the most part, patrol was, was where I did most of my work. Um, and it, it, it's heavy work. You know, you, you have those days where you're constantly going from one to 10. Um, but I enjoyed it. You know, uh, luckily I, I had a family that was really supportive and, um, things worked out, but, um, I'm glad to have gotten to a point where I was able to retire rather than being pushed out or being, uh, in a place where I felt, felt that I had to leave, uh, to do something different, uh, because it, it's rough. You know, a, a lot of people don't understand what first responders really do, what we go through, what we have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, and um, just happy to have served and, and been a part of the process. 
I love that, man. And, um, you know, thanks for that service. And I'm glad that you made it to that 25 years because it's, uh, yeah, we're not seeing it very often. Uh, and the, yeah. the newer guys, they're, you know, they're leaving pretty quick because of burnout, trauma, oh, stress. Definitely. The, you definitely. know, the, the pressure that's not just put on them by the departments, but also by the public and the media and everything, sure. especially after the last few years. And I'd love, um, which, you know, tell me now if you don't want to talk about it, but I'd love to talk about, you know, Chicago and during the, you know, the riots and all the different stuff. Have you got involved in any of that stuff? And, how that yeah. how you were able to get through that because that I know that was majorly stressful. I've got friends that lived in downtown Chicago that were right. above shops that were getting broken into and stuff. So yeah, it was um, a rough time. Yeah, there were very rough times that you know yeah. even over here it was like watching. It, I was like, holy cow! But yeah. let's start off with what was the reason? You know, well, actually, I like to ask this question. Okay, what's your definition of burnout, Dave? Like, what do you define burnout as? Um overstressed or mismanagement of stress um when the pressure gets to a point where you find yourself in a place where you're also contributing to your own trauma besides the things that we see on a regular basis and it makes it a little bit more difficult to deal with um i don't think that that's you know because some some guys may think that that's a a place of weakness and it's not i mean if you really think about the things that we deal with every day, I mean, it's not stuff you go running home telling your wife and kids about, um, you know, you have your moments, you have those few stories you can share with your friends or whatever. Um, but you don't usually want to transfer that to somebody else. Not only that, if you think about it, every call, depending on who your dispatcher is that day, you're constantly going from zero to 10 and you're the only one who really knows what's going on there. You know, they they got the call, but who knows what that person said or didn't say? I mean, you know, just as well as I do, most of the calls you get to, once you get there, it's not what the call came out as. So you're constantly dealing with all of these, this zero to 10, zero to 10, you got to come down off 10. And that might be 10, 15 times in one day. That's a lot for someone to handle. And so it's just, it's like a pressure cooker. You keep, you know, using it and beating it up over time. That pressure cooker may not be able to really continue to handle the stress at the same level. And I just think, you know, you get to a point where it enough is enough kind of, and it is just, you know, it's better to let it go than to continue to push yourself toward a place that may put you in some, some mental positions that you may not be able to have the chance to be you. And so for me, burnout is when pressure gets to a level where I'm not able to be me. I love that. Do you have a time, Dave, where you actually were, you got to that stage where you weren't you and you were starting to burn out, obviously doing patrol for 25 oh, years or more or yeah. less, you're going to have yeah. some incidents. Is there any that kind of jumped to mind that, you know, maybe somebody can relate to and be like, Hey, wait a second. That's actually me as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know what? I, I think whenever you have um, rule changes or, or you have uh, the, the media campaigns that kind of give you the impression that you're the bad guy. Mm -hmm. I think whenever that happens, it pushes you to that place when you're thinking, you know, damn, I'm, I'm here to help, but you know, there's so many people or so many institutions that are looking for opportunities 
Um, to say that I'm not doing a good job or that the job I'm doing has ulterior motives. And the reality is more times than not. Um, and, and I'm discounting, do, do some police officers have uh, sideways personal opinions or what have you? Yeah. But just being human beings, a lot of times, even when those, those personality traits or opinions are in play, they don't impact the job we're doing. Because at that time, we're human beings trying to make things happen and, and trying to help people get things done. And so when you're dealing with that on a regular basis, and then sometimes uh, the bosses kind of seem like they're piling on right along with that, or they're you know catering you know to things that aren't necessarily happening in your opinion, I think those are the times that I think of where the, the, the burnout hits because it happens over and over and over. If it was just, you know, something that was time to time, I get it, but it, it happens a lot, a lot yeah, more, yeah. at least than the public knows of. I was going to, I was going to say in 25 years, you would have gone through a lot of those cycles of up and downs. And oh up yeah. And downs. <laughs> yeah. You bosses change, you know, um, ideas about what policing is changes. Um, the media comes out with politicians, our, our greatest friends. Um, and that's sarcasm totally. <laughs> um, you know, they they come up with these things that aren't realistic because I don't think that a lot of people who call the shots for law enforcement really understand what law enforcement is or what it takes to actually do that job. And I, I, if if they would take the time, go out there with them. I mean, it's, if it's such an easy job and, you know, it doesn't take that much to do it, bring your happy ass out there and do it with us. <laughs> you know, yeah, you don't, you don't see many of them doing it, do you? No, no. <laughs> or, or at least ask our opinion. I mean, think about it. Most police officers would tell you things change, but no one asked us. The guys who are on the front line usually don't get asked. And that's an important thing that needs to be considered. I understand everybody's not a boss or everybody's not a supervisor, but that doesn't mean we don't have leadership qualities or that we don't understand the people who we interact with on a, on a daily basis. Well, you, th you, you got to be it. respected as well. You think about it as a, even a patrol officer, you know, which, you know, is kind of the, the, you know, the, on the, on the scale of the ladder scale, it's kind of the, the bottom level, but they're like the infantry, which actually holds everything. Definitely. Up. You know, they definitely. Hold, if you don't have your good patrol and infantry, you're definitely you're pretty screwed. Yeah, but all of them, all of us as patrol, mm -hmm. have to have leadership qualities because we literally. Yes. I recognize this hard yes. once I got out of the police, and you know, I'm passionate about sales and that as well as it's what I do yeah. for business. And when you think about it, as officers, we are some of the greatest leaders and salespeople in the world oh. because you are trying to get people who just did a massive crime and know that they did yes. to do what yes. you want them to do without having to use force. Because if you use force, the amount of paperwork is just, oh. you don't want to. Yes. <laughs> Plus also <laughs> then you have like, especially in recent days, you have all the, you know, le legality and all of that yeah. side of stuff that is getting thrown at you so easily. Yes. We are great leaders. We lead people to do what we need them to do to get a good outcome. And so Definitely. when you say, asking what you want like some of the i mean i've interviewed 160 i think it is people on this podcast so far yep uh 
and about 60 of those 80 of those are law enforcement or first responders mm -hmm. and a lot of chiefs of police i've had a lot of chiefs, oh, yeah. lieutenants deputy chiefs and the biggest thing that they do is they ask their staff at the very bottom of the ladder how yeah. are things going what do you need they go out they patrol with them they look at them they turn up to jobs yeah. with them to see what they're doing not to scrutinize them but to actually right. see what's going on see what they need so that yeah. they can then look at how do we implement what they need so that we are actually supported. They think of it from the bottom up kind of thing instead of from the top down. Uh, and Definitely. so it is. It's so true. I love that that thought. I mean, I had some commissioners here in New Zealand that they'd actually, I never had one come right along with me, but they'd come out to the street and their security team hated it because they'd go out and they'd put on the vest and they'd put yeah. on the appointments yeah. and they'd go and they'd turn up to jobs and they'd, you know, turn up to the yeah. lineup and, you know, actually go out with the teams and attend jobs yep and ask yep. the troops what is it that's going on like what are, what are you having going on at this front line so i love i love that yeah. now obviously you've gone through a lot of these cycles of ups and downs in that yeah being patrol and you know feeling you know it sounds like a lot of times as i felt as well we don't really have a say nobody really listens to us half the time right right what did you do like what would be the key three things that you did to make sure that you still loved it. So you didn't get into that nasty stage of burnout, get oh. affected by all the trauma, you know, get nailed yeah. by it all. And then actually become that cynical, nasty cop, because it doesn't sound like you are. I mean, five months out, you kind of be able to tell if you were, <laughs> if you were or not and not become that cop that, you know, is like, yeah. I'm doing this job. I've only, I've got five years left and I've got to just punch through it. And then to get yeah. how, you know, how did you do it? What, what would be the three things that you would give to, newer officers or even current officers that have been in a while to, to counteract and not get nailed by, you know, the, the burnout demon. Um, one, one of the main things, and it, it may seem kind of weird, but one of the main things that, that I would do from time to time, be friendly to a kid. And I mean, it sounds like, wow, what, what difference does that make? Right. The reality is, if you can find the the feeling, the kid in yourself to speak to a kid and see that, that kid's response to you, that can be one of the most encouraging things ever. You know, uh, fortunately, because, you know, I had seniority a lot of the time, um, the beat that I chose to work on, you know, the senior guy gets to pick. Um, I will always work the beat that had a school on it in it. And from time to time I get out of the car, which, you know, a lot of us don't like to do get out of the car, walk into schools, get out of the car, walk into businesses and have a conversation that doesn't have anything to do with a call. Mm -hmm. Allow yourself to be in a space for people to receive you, um, with appreciation, with kindness, um, or just as a person, not necessarily a person in a uniform. Um, but kids, you know, can give you that reassurance that what you're doing has real value. Um, a lot of times the way that adults don't, you know, I know sometimes we get out of the car, we go in restaurants and we get that look of despise because, you know, somebody got a ticket or they remember, you know, some sort of interaction that because they didn't want to be the person who was in the wrong at the time. They remember that. But if we allow ourselves that space to where we can be childlike, um, I think that's a, a good thing. The, the second thing is remember 
all the time, why you do this? You know, um, most of us don't like working out because it hurts, right? But there's value in it, right? And so if you remember the real reason why you became a police officer and the impact that you could have on your community, even if it's just one person, even if it's a little old lady who's used to you driving by at the same time, waving at them. Remember, that's why you're there. Excuse me. And the last thing is everybody can't do what you do. Realize that. I mean, we, I used to say that we're sin eaters. We don't see people most of the time, you know, you see people at their worst. And so you're constantly ingesting that, which of course increases your stress level. But the fact that you saw enough purpose in yourself to be willing to, to accept that role. Remember, there's a lot of people who would blow or, or who would make the, the wrong decision on how to, to solve some of those situations or, or not be able to come up with solutions at all. You are the person who had some ideas. They, they don't have to be the greatest ideas. You can say I have one or two things that work. And that when you do a good job, don't wait for somebody else to pat you on the back. Pat yourself on the back. Even if it's a simple call, pat yourself on the back. It's a good call and, and go from there. And, and that's for me, that's what gave me a lot of, a lot of satisfaction because your bosses don't know until they come down there and see, you know, um, one of my, one of my commanders came in one day, he was like, this entire community knows you. Thank you for making my job easier. I didn't even know the things you did down here. They told me at the last community meeting, I was like, it's what I do. It's why I'm here. And so, but I didn't need him to do it because I did it for myself. Mm. You got to be willing to pat yourself on the back. That's, that's three of them, I guess that, that worked for me. No, I love, I, I love that. It's so important. I, I love the, be friendly to a kid. I've never thought about that. Um, the first time I've, yeah. I've heard that because it is, it's so true. When yeah. you're talking with a kid in a friendly manner, you, you can't be angry. You can't no. be like, especially no. if they're there and they're, you know, they're loving you. And they're like, you know, you walk into a school and most schools yeah. like, well, you know, especially kids like, I'm, you know, I, I, I take it. You're talking like preteen kind of things as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, once you're a cop, you hate high school kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like preteen, I think they yeah. the kids love you. Like I remember being a, yes. a buddy of mine still, still like, I've still got quite a lot of friends that are still in the police. One of my friends yeah. came around in his patrol car, uh, and and parked up in our laneway, and the kids like across the laneway from us. I I, I had him come around specifically for them, and they're absolutely yeah. loving it. They got to turn the, the lights on and the sirens. Oh, I do that yeah, all the they time. Just, they just absolutely love it. And yes, like, I remember yes. being in a patrol car, you know, and you you see those kids, and they'd wave yes. at you, and you wave them back. Yep. And you instantly yep. feel good. So I love I love exactly. that. And exactly. remembering that you're re remembering all the time the why. It's one of the things that oh yeah you know. I teach Gotta start with why. Yeah, it's that aspire. I, I teach aspiring and I teach current police so much. It's all about the why, because if you are locked into yes. a really solid why that doesn't have any foo-foo and you know where it comes from yeah. and it's yours and it's nobody else's beyond in a deeper way of then I just want to help people because you can go help people by walking down to the local shelter and giving out food. 
yep. something deeper than that. Like mine is to create less pain. And so everything yeah. that I do, I look to create less yeah. pain and to help people be seen. And so yes. if you can do that, and if I had known that deep level when I was a cop and stayed focused on it and kept yeah. it at the forefront of the brain, holy crap, my policing career would yeah. have been different. And I probably would have been sitting like you 25 years yeah. in going, this is the best <laughs> job ever. Uh, so I love that. Yeah. And then your third one, you know, not everybody can do this job. You know, I use that one a yeah. lot these days and since I got out yeah. and, you know, I'm, I'm reiterating these for everybody out there just to remind you that even once you get out, you've got to still use these same things because of the demons and yes. the traumas and the, the, um, all the past stuff doesn't just leave because you put the, the badge down because you take the uniform off. They're all still there. Those jobs, those nasty jobs late at night, really hard ones. They still come with you. I can still remember things vividly of those yet. Yeah. I can't remember other things because of the burnout and because of the, the stresses of it, but yeah. remembering not everybody can do your job. You know, I've had multiple, mm -hmm in my life, you know, I've had multiple people swear at me and stuff like that since leaving the job, you know, I've had taken complaint calls and stuff for different companies that I work for. And yeah, everybody's like, how do you deal with it? Why are you so, how are you so calm? I'm like, exactly. Not everybody can do Well, it's, it's not so much around. That. I think that not everybody can do this, but it's like perspective. Exactly. I don't have a gun to my head. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I've had exactly. guns pulled on me. I'd have knives pulled on me. I've had people try and take yep. me to the ground and beat me up. Yep. Out of the phone, man. Like this is easy. To what I used to do. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, exactly. remember that, you know, this job isn't for everybody and it takes a calling yeah. as we hear all the time. So I love that. Yeah. I'd love to know, Dave, how do you, how did you during your 25 years, because that's a lot of traumatic jobs. I mean, there's stats that came out of New York <laughs> quite a few years yeah. ago that say that, you know, a police officer will see 18 times as much trauma in their first 12 months as a civilian their entire life. Yeah. You just did 25 times, 20, 25 lives at 18 yeah. times. Yeah. I can't even it's, do that math. Uh, it's, <laughs> how that's, it's, it's what I didn't even think about. It is. It's crazy to think about. Yeah. And you did some stuff. I know we've talked before this, before the, this episode, we talked about how mm -hmm. you actually, you know, ended up putting your hand up and you worked in a lot of the roughest places in Chicago yeah. and that yeah. the department that you work for. How did you stay, how did you keep those alive? Like, I know you probably went through some stages where it was dark times and got yourself back out, yeah. but how did you get yourself back out and stay focused on those three things of, you know, be friendly with a kid, remember, you know, staying focused on that why, because it can be lost easily if you don't stay vigilant on it and right. everybody can't do this. Job. How did you, how did you keep those alive for 25 years? Um, A couple of things. Number one, I was determined to go home every day. And, and that wasn't predicated on someone else, um, what they did, how they felt or what have you. Um, a, a minute ago, you mentioned something that's super, super, super important for police officers, police officers or any first responder to understand. A lot of times people just need to be seen, right? Um, that's huge, right? And so a lot of times when I would go to calls, that was my first job. <clears throat> How do I help this person to feel like I see them or that I respect them? Not that I'm there for them to respect me, what I say, or my authority, right? Mm -hmm. um, not to come and, and make a determination. You know, sometimes you go to a call, you know the deal when you get there. 
you know if you're going to lock somebody up you know who that person is probably going to be it rarely changes though sometimes it does right and so even in those cases my job was to make everyone there feel like i i i cared about what they had to say and how they felt in that moment right now that doesn't mean i wasn't going to be um, an authority or, or in a position of telling people how this was going to go. Right. But it did mean that I had to ask questions. It did mean that I had to be willing to not be the champion winning this entire thing. Right. Cause we got an end goal and, and that's what we're trying to get to. And so sometimes you got to take a step back to get the two steps forward. And I know that sounds real cliche-ish, but the reality is it, you ain't there to save face. You're there to get a job done. And sometimes um, making someone else feel like they're somewhat in control of themselves in that moment is all they really, really need. And so all of those years, I mean, when I work with um, newer officers, their big thing was when you, when you get to a call, why do you start it so calmly? And so my thing is, it's already hit the fan. The least I can do is take some of the pressure off the pot, you know. And 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 by doing that, I allow myself to not be on ten the entire time I'm standing. That doesn't mean I get relaxed. It doesn't mean I trust people in the moment. We all know those are dangerous things. You know, creates that complacency, which oh yeah, complacency kills. (laughs) Man, complacency kills, right? And so you're there remembering why you're there, but give them that that olive leaf, you know, to let them know at least for a minute, I'm gonna let you feel your your humanity. You're gonna do it under control, you're gonna do it by my rules, but by the same token. I need to give you space to at least feel like this is a guy, even if he's going to put handcuffs on me, that I think he's going to be fair with me. And I think that's all that a human being is really expecting. That alone made made my tenure a whole lot easier than it could have been. I I mean, I could have been the guy running in, grabbing people, throwing people on the ground, putting cuffs on, and then, oh, I'm sorry, taking cuffs off. And now I really got a fight on my hands. And so I think a big part of it is just realizing you have to identify with people. You know, yeah, we're cops. Um, and we have this training and we've been entrusted to do all these things. It don't hurt you to identify with someone, even if th- their life could be a bowl full of boo-boo, right? But the reality is be human enough, have enough empathy to identify with them. Cause the truth is that could be you or anybody in your family. There's just one or two things that didn't happen to put you or, or them in that situation. Act like it. And, and I think you take, like I said, you take pressure off yourself and, and you give people the opportunity to really interact with you and not just see your uniform. That's important. Come from a place of compassion instead of a place of oh, significance definitely. or ego. 
Definitely. Definitely. You got to lose the ego. I get it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, there are times when, you know, there's some people you got to cuss at, you got to yell at, cause that's what they understand. Yeah. Right. That ain't everybody. The little old lady that, you know, yeah. <laughs> walked is not, not you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, but you got some guys they're on 10 and everybody they, they're interacting with, they're the cop that's on TV. Dude, this is real life. So, you know, have a little empathy and um, give people space to be human. I love that. I love that, man. Thanks. Thanks, Dave, for that. Um, I had a question. I'll jump to this question. Oh, that one will pop back up. And then I want, I'd love okay. to talk to you about Chicago in the last, like, kind of, because it just kind of intrigues me. But also, I know there's a lot of learning okay. that came out of, like, the last kind of four-ish years um, oh, yeah. especially in that area uh yeah. what is your why Dave like beyond that I want to help people what is your why have you identified it like what's drawing you through the whole job the entire time and even childhood and like led you to where you are now like what's what's the why that keeps you going when when I first started the job um you know like a lot of guys that salary really kind of piques your interest right <laughs> um, and then you realize it doesn't go up very fast yeah <laughs> it's not what you thought it was right yeah. you're but, like oh yeah i can start on that 70k and then you're like you know, wait a second i'm gonna still be in the 70s 10 years later <laughs> exactly right so uh it, it's it's weird um when i first did i had a side story to kind of get to it yeah when i first met my wife um you know, when you're a cop, you don't come out and tell everybody you're a cop and all that other stuff, right? Because they start acting weird, yeah. right? They either so love you I, or they hate you. There's not really right, you know, <laughs> right? You know, and so you know you're trying to be play it safe, and so a lot of people don't know me as a police officer, right? So in the 25 years that I've been a police officer, you know, had social media and all that other kind of stuff, right? I've never posted a picture of me being the police, right? And so most people that know me don't know that person. They know a dance instructor. So a lot of people think that's what I do, right? So when I first met my wife, of course, met her at a, at a dance party, and um, she asked me what I did for a living. And I looked at her and I said, what do you mean? She's like, I know you aren't a dance instructor all the time. What do you do for a living? And I was like, what do you think I do? She was like, I think you're a teacher. And I'm like, what? What do you mean I'm a teacher? She was like, your conversation, your demeanor, everything says that you're a teacher. And she wasn't the first person to say that. That just that day, I took it seriously, right? And so one of the things I realized about myself over the years is that I really was an educator. And so my mom was a teacher. Um, I wasn't a fan of it then because she was a teacher at the school that I was at. So that whole thing, <laughs> that was not fun. And so my whole perception of teachers was, uh, no. But after a while, I learned that I was constantly putting myself in positions where my way of helping people was to educate them about something. And so as a police officer, 
really as almost as soon as I got there, really what when I was in, in my first academy, because I had to go to the academy twice to, just the way the the depart the department works here. Um I realized that being in those positions to educate people about things or about how things really worked, that was what I really, really wanted, how I really wanted to impact our community because there were relationships that are, that were out of line. There were um, ideas about the police or ideas about the community on both sides of the line that people needed to be educated about. There needed to be some hard conversations. A lot of times that either people didn't want to have or didn't have the the words to articulate in a way that they could hear each other. And so my job as a police officer was when I had the opportunities to educate citizens, I would educate citizens. This is how you interact with the police. If you want help, this is how you talk to them and tell them, this is what I need. By the same token, a lot of times officers got that chip on their shoulder, but they're taught that that's what they're supposed to have or these kinds of people, this is how you interact with them to get what you want. So educate them about, no, this is how you interact with these people because this is how they've been coerced, ain't the right word, but cultivated is the word I'll use to believe this is what the police is or who the police is. And so if you wanna be more effective, this is how you have to address them, right? And so being in that educator space um, is my why, you know, when it comes to dance instructing. Um, I get a kick out of teaching people things that get them to places they'd like to be. People say, well, I, well dance lessons, how does it do that? It teaches people to be more social. It teaches them how to build confidence. It teaches them how to interact. It develops their interpersonal skills. So it's the same job in a different space and people see me differently because I have a different, different reputation there. But at the end of the day, being an educator is my why. And as long as I have that opportunity to, to manipulate communication that way, I think I'm doing a good job. I love that. Yeah, you you're very clear on it. When did you recognize that? Was it back when your wife when your now wife it, asked you that? Actually, or? I understood that I enjoyed the process, but it wasn't until she said it, and I don't know why it was different then that I realized why people kept seeing that in me. Cause it, I mean, it, yeah, whatever you know, before that. But when she said it, it, it seemed really sincere for some odd reason. You guys so after that, married, so. Yeah, <laughs> you know, she, she had, she, 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 she knew something. So yeah. <laughs> give her some, we'll give her a little bit. Of yeah, a little bit. We'll give her a little bit. Yeah. Wives of police officers, man, they, they're, they're, they're a different breed as well. Oh, no question. No question. Yeah. It, and it's funny. My, uh, my son-in-law is a police officer. I think he's got, four or five years on now and so to see my daughter as his wife but she understood she understood the assignment before she got there yeah um and so it, it's it's i'm what's the word i'm happy for him that he has someone who understands what he's living day to day yeah. um who understands that you really don't know what this guy does right and so to have someone who could really speak into him and support him, mm -hmm. 
it, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. So I, I yeah. have I have to say, like, you know, I'm so grateful for my wife. You know, oh, I got yeah. to that. I got to that dark place. I got to that place where I was angry and pissed off at a lot of people because of you know things. Yeah. I've told my story a lot, uh, but yeah. I'm you know I'm grateful. That our our wives are the ones that keep us together. You know, I'm grateful that my wife. Definitely. She's openly Definitely. says that she's stubborn, and so that's why we're still together to this day, even after <laughs> all the shit I put her through. Um, right, right. But you know, she didn't know what she was getting into. She, you know, she was with me yeah. before before I went into law enforcement, and so she knew the real me, and so she could yeah. see when I was changing. But I wouldn't listen. Yeah. That yeah. was the biggest problem. I wouldn't listen. I yeah. wouldn't communicate it. And uh, yeah. I think, it, especially if you have somebody that's strong like that, that can get in, that you're willing to communicate. I think those are some pretty key things. How did you communicate with your wife? Because obviously you were a police officer already when you met. How how many years did you, right. were you on at that stage? Uh, I had eight years on at that time. Eight years on. So you're pretty yeah. pretty structured into it. Had a had a pretty pretty much. Yeah. You know, but I'm gonna tell you what was what was odd. Um, one night she was she was uh well we were laying in the bed sleep, right? And a a dream, you know, a memory popped up. Um off the top of my head, I can't remember what scene it was, but in the middle of the night, I jumped up <clears throat> and I, I guess whatever I did was enough to wake her up or she was already up one of the two. I don't know. Um, and she says, what was that? And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, you just jumped up to look on your face. What was that? <laughs> I was like, nothing. I'm good. I'm just, I'm going back to sleep. She says, oh, hell no. <laughs> right. <laughs> I need to know what that is. Yeah. And I was like, it's nothing. I'm good. She was like, no. Was that something from work? I was like, what do you mean? Was it something from work? She says, was, were you at work in your dream? Because I know that, that pop-up thing. And so I said, yes, I was at work. And something happened. And that's why I jumped up. And so she was like, okay. Are you good for real, though? Or you need to talk to somebody, right? And I'm like, I'm good. She was like, can you tell me about it? I was like, no. You know what I mean? And she's like, will you ever tell me about that? I said, I, I won't tell you about what just happened. But there will be days that I will tell you some things. Because your brain can handle those things. But I'm not going to tell you the things that are going to have you feel like I feel from time to time. And yeah. so I think in that moment, she realized what this was, right? Yeah. And the, the cool part, she didn't hold it against me. She didn't um, overly dig um, one of the coolest things. And, it, and it's, I, I realize it's a difficult thing for um, a spouse and a, a, a parent to do. When I would get home, she would give me and make the kids give me like 30 minutes where they didn't bother me, right? So I got, you know, when you come home, taking your uniform off is a process, right? Because you got all this shit you got to take off, number one. But then a lot of times, you know, you're sweaty, depending on where you were at that 
that day, it's a process of peeling those layers off, right? Yeah. And, and depending so, on how that day ended, like man, how you know the day I mean? ended, the last call is like yes, you, you take yes. that. You, it's it's hard to let that stuff leave that stuff at work or even yes. let it go on your drive home. It's it, it man. Can, yeah. Cause I literally, I would sit in my car cause we would bring our squads home. Right. Yeah. So it was a really cool thing. So cool, gas cool, prices cool. And all. to it, to edge sword. It's cool. But at the same time, it's like, you don't actually turn, you can't, you can't turn off and don't say turn it off. off. Whereas I get yeah. a lot of my clients to actually turn off when they walk out of the station or they use that as an anchoring technique when you walk out yeah. of the station or when you unzip your vest or when you take all that stuff off. But if you're driving your patrol car home, you're on duty until you literally pull into the driveway. From curb to curb. Yeah. Right. And then your, and your it, locker room, your locker room is your bedroom. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> so she would give me that space. Right. Or I, I'd, I'd, you know, sit in the car for a while. Even then I would walk in the house. She would, they would still give me the half an hour. Mm -hmm. Right. Or the kids would say, Hey, and you know, now toward the end of my career, my daughters weren't having it. It was, listen, we ain't got to talk, but I'm going upstairs with you. Right. But they they saw enough to say he needs this space. Yeah. And so we're going to give him grace is what I'll call it to, to get from up under whatever it is. Cause we don't know what he saw today. Right. Just and, that I mean, little bit, had, just that little bit of time to take your uniform off and have a shower yeah. and just kind yeah. of rinse it all away and be like, man, okay, cool. And then come out of the bedroom and be like, okay, cool. I'm dad now. Yeah. Well, you know, I had a, an acupuncturist, right? Because I would, was going to acupuncture for a while. And um, he told me every day when you get home, 20-minute shower. And I'm like, what? He's like, 20-minute shower. He says, not hot, not cold, just warm enough. He said, wash all that shit off every day. And I'm like, Are you, come on, man. And the reality was that 20 minutes was amazing because I knew I got my 30 minute spot. Then I had this 20 minute shower. When I would get out of shower, it was a new day. Well, it's, you know, from a neurolinguistic programming, like a neuroscience perspective, mm -hmm. it's, it's what they also call as an anchoring technique. So an NLP oh, is called an yeah. anchoring technique. So you can do it yeah. with a movement. You can do, you know, cops do it all the time and yeah. they don't realize it. You know, you go to walk into a house and you, you've got that Superman pose and, and stance, you know, shoulders yeah. back, chest yeah. up. I'm the yep. man. Like, and you have that thinking, yep. so it's all anchoring together when you're having yeah. that shower. It's like an anchoring release technique. It's like, yeah. okay, I'm flushing everything away, especially if you have a psyche to yep. it. As soon as an acupuncturist told you to do that, I guarantee your mind started to go to, this is letting me go. This is changing yes. who I am. I'm, I'm flushing yes. the cop away from it. I know cops yep. that use, use the vest. I had an Ambo driver that I was that I was coaching for a while and his was his door wow. handle on his truck. So when he ah. opened the door handle on his truck at the station, when he go to get into it, that was his start to his release. And then his half hour drive home was his decompressing, yeah. whether it was listening to music, whether it was just kind of listening yeah. to the road and whatever it was, it was that yeah. decompression type side of stuff. You know, I've used yeah. motorcycles and that I ride motorcycles a lot. So I use a motorcycle ride when I go to, when I used to go to and from work on things, it okay. would be a bit of a de decompression. So yeah, oh, I can yeah. totally get that. The shower, yeah. just letting things rinse away, letting the day and the yeah. trauma and the, the things of the day, along with everything else that you, that you, you know, things that you had in place. It was that. And then all of a sudden now your dad and husband and yep. yeah. Yeah. 
Yep. Made it made it made life a whole lot easier. It really did. And that and um a buddy of mine is a who's a business mentor. Um says start your day as soon as your day starts. Don't consume anything. Meditate. Yeah. And so 15 minutes. It was beautiful. You know, it because granted, when I walk out of the door, my office is 20 feet away. You know, <laughs> so as soon as you get in that car, it's on, right? But it was cool to get cool before you got into that mold because it's it's the weirdest thing. When you get in the car, your facial expressions change, yep. right? And so your whole body language it, changes as soon as you get yeah. that, as soon as you put that uniform on and you get in that vet. Like for you yep. being at home, the uniform probably didn't do it for a lot of people to get ready at the station. The uniform will do it. It'll ch it'll change their persona yeah. or as soon as they walk into the you know, the briefing room, it's, it's that yep. persona changes and they don't oh, even yeah. realize that they're doing it. And like you said, yeah. you recognize as soon as you got into that patrol car, it was game yeah. time. Oh um, yeah. You know, I know some people that the start of their shift really isn't game time until they hop in the car and they drive out the station. Yeah. They drive exactly. out those gates and it's like, cool, we're game yeah. time. We're, 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 it's yep. a different persona as such. Yep. Yep. So th those couple of things, you know, like I said, made it better. But uh, my wife was really has really really been an anchor. I get a wife, <laughs> get a good wife. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Get a good wife. Yeah, get a, get good, a good wife. Wife. You know, easier said than done. Yeah. But you know, when you get one, you know it. You know, my wife and I talk about it quite a bit. You know, reflecting back on my policing career, and there's been times where I've yeah. thought about going back to it, and we've talked about like what would we do if I went yeah. back. And one of the biggest things that I said is. I said to her, because recently I actually looked, it really looked hardcore coming back to the U.S. and joining law enforcement yeah. there. Yeah. Like if I do this, we have to have a thing in place where maybe not every shift or, you know, if we have this, uh, this unsaid thing that if I have had a bad day, I'm allowed to wake you up if, if it's the middle of the night. And if I don't yeah. wake you up first thing in the morning, we talk about that last shift. Yeah. And I don't. I won't go into massive details in that, but I'll just be like, yep, cool. Went to a job that involved this and this won't go into yeah. the details around it, but just we'll be like, and this is how it affected me. Definitely positive or negative. And just to let it just to let, let her know what page I'm on because she yeah. can read me better than I can read myself half the time. And so yep. she can be like, okay, I call bullshit on that. <laughs> like, yeah. I call bullshit. Yeah. You're doing well because you've been this, this, exactly. this, and, and I have to listen to her and I have to right. acknowledge that and be like, okay, cool. Is that true or not? And yeah. those are like I, some I, of the key things. Did you do any of that kind of stuff with your wife or did you guys have that? You kind know of what? There were times when, when I would, if something irritated me, I would, that's when we would have those conversations, but you know, irritation and bothering you is two different things. <laughs> um, but if something irritated me, um, those times I would discuss it with her. One of the other things that it's one of the most invaluable things that a lot of officers don't do enough of and that's find other like-minded officers and make it okay to talk to them and get honest feedback I be willing to hear i think that's the yeah. key thing because you know we surround ourselves a lot of times with other officers and sorry to interrupt dave real quick but no 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 it's okay we surround ourselves with other officers but i know like the officers that i used to surround myself all we did was talk negative Yep. 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 And they're yep. the worst officers to be around. Yep. They're actually Definitely. horrible because they just make it work. Definitely. 
definitely like a couple that i hung around with that were like did that like you were saying did that you yeah like minded positive you know you're yes. able to break things down yes you know that should go yeah man because one of the things you know um the 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 last guy i worked with right real straight shooter right it, younger guy you know still got a lot of years to do he always asked and he would always say i gotta ask you a question and i was like okay he says i want the real cop answer I, I don't tell me you know don't tell me what i want to hear right and that was the best attitude to have because he would say listen i feel like this 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 and this Am I looking at this wrong or is there another way that I could look at this? Right. And it was like, he opened the door for me to tell him what I really thought, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think as police officers, if we get out of that space of the, well, the decision I made was the decision I based it on this statute and this general order and this, no one gives a fuck. Right. <laughs> sometimes you need someone to call your shit right and not to say you're a bad person or it's time to feel bad i'm just giving you some feedback so you can let the other part go you know what i mean and it's not to say that i got the right answer right but it is to say that that sometimes there's another way to perceive it or think about it that can cause you to think and become a better officer going forward we're human beings it's just like raising kids, right? You don't know if you're raising them right. You don't know that till later. You're trusting, what did you put in a good effort, right? Did you really try to do the, the best you could do with the information you had at the time? If that's the case, you can't beat yourself up if it's the wrong thing or it wasn't the perfect thing. But allow yourself to, to hear that there may have been another way. And then, you know, next time, now you've got information because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And so if you got a, a guy or two that, and, and usually it's the guy who don't work with you, right? It's a guy on another shift in another district or, or, or another, you know, it, it, and so you're giving yourself that option of, of having some, a sounding board, right? And, and you can really talk, to that person because you know us cops no one understands us but us if you've never done the job shut up you don't know what this is you know you know what i mean yeah but the reality is you know sometimes you got to give yourself that space like i said there are times where i talk to my wife you know but sometimes i would call you know, I've got a couple of higher ups. We've been friends my entire career or our, ent our entire careers, right? And we'd have a conversation and say, man, Dave, eh, it wasn't, you know, that's not how I would have done it. All right, how would you have done it? Yeah. Okay, what do you see that I didn't see? When they say, well, you said blah, 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 blah. That ain't, that ain't how you go into that. Or that's not how I would. And you get to, you get to put a mirror up. Yeah, I, I think that's something we need to take more advantage of. Nah, I think that's that's amazing. You know, it, it, we we see it all the time in business. 
you see mm-hmm. business people doing it. You know, we met because of a, yeah. a, a, a mutual well, a good friend yeah. of mine and he helps people yeah. with masterminds. And, you know, masterminds are all yeah. about that, leveling people up, yes, leveling sir. each other up. And the people do it yeah. in business all the time. You know, I, I do think that, you know, it's something that we could, you know, policing need to bring into there so that you yeah. can level up and learn. And we do, a, we do some of it. And like yourself, you did a lot of it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's real important. I wanted to, I wanted to, before we, before we wrap up, I did want to talk about yeah. the last few years in Chicago around okay. different stuff. How did you, did you get involved a lot with the riots and that, that were going on or we, we got, we got called out and held over, you know, over shifts and, and pulled into different areas where looting and, and so forth was going on. Um, I will say that was one of the scariest times um, and not just because I could have gotten hurt or other guys could have gotten hurt. Um, it was more about, it was young people, right? And a lot of times it's difficult to understand young people because they don't understand themselves, right? Or they're reacting or acting off of all of these negative influences that exist out here, they push them to do certain things. And then we say, well, they know better. Not everyone knows better, right? And so the scariest part for me was being in this position where I might have to hurt a kid. You know what I mean? Um, Or someone's gonna, you know, have me on, on camera doing something and they didn't see the part that happened right before that. Or, you know, we're just here to protect the people who really worked hard to build some things and to keep you from fucking it up, mm-hmm. right? And you're tired because you work 16 hours today. Um, and those aren't the best conditions to be asked to do what we do, right? Because you you work your, your beat and then you get pulled and now you're going into this area that you don't really know, right? Um, and, and so those were the things that were scary. Um, and then you're talking about police, different police departments interacting and working together you know, every police department has its own way of doing things and attitudes and what have you. Um, that was rough, you know. Um, you know, like I said, being in Chicago, uh, in Chicago proper, doing that, it was it was a different animal, right? But you know, putting on gear and and all that stuff, it's that's when nothing's even happening and you're on 10, right? Um, And you're maintaining that and and you got family calling, is everything okay? Um, You know, even, you know, as I've got, you know, the senior guys don't always get the call. The new new guys get the call first, right? So there have been a lot of times where my son-in-law gets gets the call or, He's regularly working double shifts, no off days. Um, all of that stuff is super, super tough to do. And no one's saying thank you. They're saying you don't have a choice. 
you know, I don't think people realize the police department, we have, you know, uh, collective bargaining in the whole nine yards and unions in the whole nine yards. We don't get to strike. You know, we don't get to not show up. Right. And um, that that added pressure, all of those things, especially during that that time period, you just wanted to be over because it, it. It feels like a war zone mm-hmm. and then you've got politicians who who are on the fly calling your boss and then your boss is calling the commanders, commanders call lieutenants, lieutenants call sergeants, sergeants calling you to tell you everything you thought you were supposed to do, don't do none of that, right? <laughs> and then that changes in five, six hours, yeah. right? You know, so it, 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 it was a really confusing time as a police officer because you're trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. What's the right thing to say? Do you put hands on someone? Do you not? And a lot of it, you felt useless because a big part of it was let it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's as far and then you, as and then you got part, beat, then you got beat up for that one because then the public oh, and media and everybody like you ain't doing, doing anything and yeah. yeah it's like I, rem- I remember hearing i remember hearing because i have a friend who lived in downtown chicago on the other side of the bridge yeah. she actually when the bridges got raised she couldn't get out and there was people she lived above like a, a mall and people were yeah. breaking into the malls and she was worried I was yeah. she was worried they were going to be getting up into her apartment and all and she's like, yeah. the cops aren't doing anything. That, and then I heard on the media, the cops are, weren't allowed to arrest people. I'm like, no, it's, yeah. we, we've, we've had um, several situations where young kids get on social media and plan riotous acts, even today, yeah. right? Um, I watched a video earlier today of something that happened over the weekend or maybe not over the weekend. It's still the weekend Um, day before yesterday. And they literally took over an area where their people are driving in their cars. They're destroying cars. It's a crazy mind stretch is what I'll call it. (laughs) Right. That, you're asked to be in and not, you know, granted, yeah, they're kids, but at some point it's got to come to a head. Right. Mm -hmm. But you're told, no, just hold off, just wait. But there are people who are being traumatized by these people. Right. And it's, it's not right. But at the same time, there's certain rules we got to follow Cause I mean, we don't call the shots. I mean, a, a lot, I don't think most people don't know your local politicians are the ones who call your shots, call the shots for your, for your, your police, your police department. Right. It's not us. We, we, we pull the string. They pull the strings on what we do and how we do it. Right. And so if, if the public doesn't like that, I'm, I'm not saying don't tell me about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not that I don't care, but you elected these people to make the rules for you. Yeah. And our hands are tied a lot of the times. You know, would I like to go tossing kids left and right? Sure, why not? <laughs> right? <laughs> but 
if we did that, right? How many parents are going to say, why were you doing that to my kid? Yeah. Well, if you took care of that, I wouldn't have to, right? That's number one. But that's a all those having to juggle all those different things for me is traumatic in itself. Oh, hell especially yeah. for police officers. Oh, hell yeah. You don't that, know the what amount of do. cops that I know that like they yeah. literally went not and they put the badge up and they put the vest away and, and handed the gun in because they were like, I, yeah. I can't deal with this anymore. How did you deal with yeah. it? Dave, like, how did you get through it? Because like you said, it's still going on. Just not the yeah. level that it was during those times. Right. But it's still going on and it's going to happen again. So how did you deal with that for like people like your son-in-law and, you know, for, you know, right. the cops coming through now and the cops that are still out there doing the, you know, the, the great job that they're doing. How do you, how did you work through that and stay and come out the other side? Okay. The weird part is. I knew I was close enough to retire soon. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you, 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 hey, and you know, that's a valid thing for the people that are, you know, within that five year yeah. kind of thing. It is that yeah. that is a focus and it kind of gets it's like going for a long run. You get to the last, it, yeah. you know, two thirds of it, last three, it, yeah. last quarter of it, it. You're like, hey, I can keep doing this for this a little bit longer. You know, it, I can it, keep doing it. But and you know, and really that's that was my encouragement as crazy as that sounds that was my encouragement i there was a goal right mm. granted a lot of cops don't have that option oh. right and and so the other part is forgiving yourself for not being able to do to do the things that you believe you need to do yeah because for a lot of us we get caught up in what we believe we're supposed to do, right? And when we can't do those things, frustration sets in. When we can't do those things, disappointment sets in. Sometimes we're even embarrassed, right? That for whatever reason, I couldn't help. And, and think, here's the, the, the yuckiest part. I don't know a police department anywhere where you as a police officer can speak out about police policy, right? So in the middle of getting stoned to death by, by the community, by media, by people who were wronged some kind of way, right? You can't even say, I wanted to, but I couldn't because this guy told me not to, right? And so we have to get to a place as police officers that we realize we're not going to be able to help all the time. Mm -hmm. And we have to forgive ourselves for not being able to do that. Not that we did anything wrong, but that a lot of times we take these oaths and, and a lot of people don't realize how serious guys are when they put that badge on, when they raise their hand. Right. And, and it's necessary for us to realize we agreed to be Superman, right? But you don't always get to wear that cape. And when you don't, be okay with that. And be okay with the thought that people aren't going to understand. But when you can be there, when you can show up, show up at your best. And it honestly, I mean, granted, retirement was the one thing, 
but it was also the other side of of understanding that I couldn't be everything that I thought needed to be or needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And I had to get okay with that. But that also goes back to having someone to share things with. Sometimes it helps having those conversations if for no other reason than to get the scream out. Right. And so really cut yourself some slack. It's okay. Yeah. Now that, that pillow is really good to scream into sometimes. Oh man, (laughs) definitely. And when you're riding around in a patrol car on your own, Hey, you screaming out in the middle of nowhere. Yes. It's really therapeutic. Um, the, yes, other thing, for sure. I, the other thing I'd add on to there, um, you know, as well is remember that it's not going to last forever. True. That's the other part. History Definitely. shows us it doesn't last yes. forever. Sometimes it lasts for yes. a long time. It lasts for a few years, but sometimes it's only five minutes. It's not. That's gonna really, forever. really good. And this kind of goes in. It goes in line with the, you know, oh, retirement's not here because you're like, oh, well, as when I retire, it definitely is over. Like, I don't have yeah. to do this stuff anymore. Exactly. <laughs> and so exactly. it's not, it's not going to last forever. Just, re, just no. remember that. Uh, Dave, yeah. thanks so much for today. Anything else pleasure. you'd like to add or, you know, any last kind of words that you'd like to, you'd like to give? Um, stay vigilant. Um, stay encouraged. Um, seek peace, choose to see the best in people, even when they aren't in the best place in their lives. Seek opportunities to identify with people, even if you don't know anything about their background or the life that they've lived. And grant yourself grace, grant yourself forgiveness, and grant yourself peace. And you can do the 25, 30 years, whatever you got to do to get that pension and kick your heels up and sleep as long as you want. (laughs) Catch up on all that sleep that you missed during the job. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) 16 hour days, man. When I was doing nothing like working midnights. Oh, oh, we we do we do rotating. So we do early's, lates and nights here. So we do all three in a set of shifts. It used to be a five week roster. So you do like multiple days of early's and multiple of lates and multiple of nights. Like at the time, we do seven nights in a row. Then you get six days off uh that's brutal yeah so (laughs) i actually don't mind it because you get a good variety of all you don't have to just do midnights or just do yeah you know overnights but yeah no so we did that but then when i was on protection services we used to do like it was when we're on operation looking after the prime minister and that wasn't uncommon it's different now but it wasn't uncommon to be doing 16 to 19 hour days and then be back at work nine hours later um if you were lucky sometimes you'd be like you'd stay with the with whatever diplomat you were looking after and you'd only get like five hours of sleep and then you'd be back up yeah you do that for like a week or two weeks sometimes and you just then you'd you'd take a week off and you'd be like nah i'm not coming to the office because i'm not operational um and so you take some time off or you use some of that time that you accrued over that time but uh wow. last question i have for you dave and i always wrap yeah. this up with this question what's your top tip <laughs> to self-happiness forgiving yourself for not being perfect that's it that's it if you, if you can get over the idea that that failure is a problem or 
you can get past the idea that you have to be at some perceived level, you're doing okay. Believe that you're good enough. And that isn't about a measuring stick. It's about understanding that whatever value you bring to the table is still value. And that value can impact in amazing ways that you've never even considered it being. So give yourself that grace. I know I use that a lot, but it's one of the things that over time that I've learned in, in both my my law enforcement career and also in business. Once I started to realize that I bring something to the table and the fact that I have something to bring to the table and stop measuring it to what someone else is bringing. Realize if it's just a penny worth of anything, if you keep bringing a penny's worth, over time, it's going to compound. Be okay that that penny is quality. Make it a quality penny. And over time, it'll increase because we're all good enough. Just bring what you got to the table. Love it. That's it. I love it. So there you go, guys. Now remember, just take one thing away from today. I mean, there's so many good, as I call them, nuggets that are in there. You know, there's so many good nuggets that, that Dave gave today that we talked about that we did. You know, I'll, I'll, re, I'll recap the three things that, you know, Dave dropped for us today. So you can just take one if you're like, oh my God, there's so many things here. I'm looking for that one. You know, three things to counter the burnout. Be friendly to a kid. Find a kid oh, yeah. somewhere, go to a school, just find a kid, stop the patrol car, get out, have a conversation with them and just, just say hi. You know, remember that why. Remember deep that deep why of why you're here. And if you're struggling with that, reach out. We'll help you get it. Uh, and everybody can't do this job, guys. Remember that. You are yeah. one of the elite by just doing this job. Take that as it is and actually, you know, be sacred about it. Uh, so those are the three things. Uh, thanks again, Dave, for being here. appreciate you taking the My time. Pleasure. appreciate your service. Thanks for everything you did for the community uh, where you work you. Uh, and also the officers that you helped out. Uh, this is Fight the Burnout. If you want to get in touch with us, you can go to Create From Y. That's W-H-Y, Create From W-H-Y uh, at uh, .com. Or you can email us at Create From Y at gmail.com is probably the easiest way. You can get in touch with us. We can uh, have a conversation. Uh, if you want to be on the app, if you want to be on the show, if you're a first responder, police officer, military, we'd love to interview you, have a conversation. Uh, but till next time, my motto is train hard, test easy. That's both physically and mentally. Uh, because we are going to be tested as first responders. So I uh, may as well train for it and uh, make it a little bit easier. Just by listening to this episode, you have done that. Make sure you share, like, subscribe, all those fun things. And uh, till next time, stay safe and we'll talk to you soon.